are living in a time where the world has changed and is changing. And the question is, are we being transformed? I'm not just talking about changing. We are changing. Every one of us are changing because you're getting older. And there are changes taking place within your bodies. There are things taking place in your minds. So I don't care who you are or where you may be. You are, in fact, changing. You're not the same person you were last week. You're not the same person. There's something about you that's different. There's something about you that has already changed and is in the process of changing. But when we talk about transformation, we're talking about the Lord getting involved in the process so that we are transformed by power beyond ourselves. And as we speak of this being the year of transformation, I begin to look at that word transformation. We look at the word, and it talks about metamorphosis during a life cycle. Realize that during a life cycle, things that uh, this life cycle in biology, we begin to see that there are a series of changes that members of a, spe a specific species rather undergo as they pass from the beginning of, uh, of their development until they develop into the fullness, whatever they're developing into becoming. And with that, we are talking about God's objective for our lives and how He wants us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. We talk about growth and spiritual development. One of the things I have committed my heart uh, to do for you is to make sure that I seek the Lord so that I can give you the things that can contribute to your growth and your spiritual development. Because I realize that my assignment is to do just that. It's not just to prepare a message or a sermon, but what, where are we as a congregation? Where are we as the people of God? Where are we as the church? And we're talking about the uh, church universal, the whole church. We look at our local fellowship, but we're concerned about the whole body of Christ. Where's the body of Christ at this particular moment? And what kind of influence do we have in the world at this given time? And are we using that influence in such a way that the world is being impacted by the church, by witness? And we talk about this whole thing of transformation. God is saying that His objective is for us to grow stronger and stronger. This is the church, not to get weakened, not to be weakened by the situations and circumstances that's taking place around us. But if anything, as we mentioned on Wednesday, you talk about temptations. These temptations that come, they could either destroy us or they can strengthen us. But we're strengthened when we're postured to resist the temptations that come our way. Because in this, we develop spiritual muscles. We develop uh, the, the strength to endure. And when certain things come our way, we then can resist them 
And in resisting them, we're not just resisting, that's from the defense, but from the offense. At the same time, we're being postured to take on territories. And that's, we talk about the advancement of the kingdom of God. How can we see advancement taking place within the kingdom? And we're talking about people being saved, their lives being transformed as a result of what we have learned through the pressures that have been brought to bear against us. So we talk about the growth. It's uh, coming to a more glorious state. That's God's intended, intended purpose. But then we talk about transformation. The opposite of transformation is deformation, something that's being deformed. We talk about deform. We talk about it being distorted, to distort uh, the shape, form of a thing. And when a thing has been deformed, we talk about growing in such a way. I remember watching plants, and uh, uh, believe it or not, I used to try to grow a few plants when I, <laughs> years ago. And, and, and one of the things I learned in order to make a plant grow straight, oftentimes I'll put a stick in the, in, in the soil, and I would allow that stick to be the measure of the straightness of that particular plant that I was planting. And, and what happens, the reason I had to place it there is because if it grew on its own, it would grow deformed. It would take its own course and move in its own direction. And the same thing applies to each and every one of us. If we are left ourselves, if we are at a place where we begin to try to figure life out on our own, and we say, well, I think I'm smart enough to handle this particular thing, then by default, we will find ourselves growing deformed and our witness being compromised, and we're not at a place of being as effective and as impactful as God would have us to be. So what God does, he places Christ before us, and he says the objective is for you to grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In fact, it says that in Ephesians chapter 4, which also he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But then he says in verse 13, till we all come to uh, the unity of the faith. When he talks about the unity of the faith, how can we come to the unity of the faith lest we are brought to the place where we are hearing together? We are hearing together, the unity of the faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So the first part of that is hearing together. Now, if that be the case, what do you think would be the first line of, uh, of, of defense on the, on the part of the enemy? He will try to attack, attack you in the area of your hearing, in your hearing, so that you're not postured to hear rightly or to even hear what God is in fact saying. And if you're not listening to God, then who are you listening to? There are other voices out there. The other things that's being said, and if you're not listening to God, you know, you're open then to all of the uh, voices that may be speaking contrary to the will of God. But he says, faith comes by hearing, hearing the right thing, hearing the truth, hearing the truth, and, and understand it is the truth that you hear will set you free or keep you free from the defects that will lead to deformity, you, you see, because now... Uh, if, if you're not hearing rightly and you begin to hear something else and you measure what you're hearing by what you've heard, then you see how that can 
cause one to move in the wrong direction because the, sta the standard has been compromised at that particular point and that person is not pos positioned to grow as he or she ought to grow. So now he says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the truth, hearing by the Word of God. That's what faith comes, he says. But now he says that we all come to the unity of the faith. We all come to the place where we begin to hear together that we may see together. And then the Bible talks in Isaiah about how we can flow together and be enlarged. But then it says, and then we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God. you got to listen to these words very carefully. We come as a result of the unity of the faith. We come to the knowledge of the Son of God. We begin to see God as He is and not as we would like for Him to be. We see Him as He is and not as we would like for Him to be. And understand, as I mentioned in one of the other messages, it becomes a discovery because God, it is a self-revelation of God. God reveals himself to us. He began to show us. He said, this is your perception of who I am, but then he introduces himself to us as I am the Lord thy God. Let me tell you, I was the one that was there in your history, and I will be there to direct you towards your destiny. He says, I'm the Lord your God, brought you out of whatever you were in, and I am the one that is bringing you into what you ought to enter into. And my, my, my admonishment to you is don't place any other doctrine, don't place any other ideology or philosophy, and you see, or, and he goes all the way to say any other gods before me. Don't place anything above me. Don't look at anything as being more important than me. And by default, we mentioned deformity, then things begin to replace God. Things begin to take His place. And these are the idols that replace God. And they, in the mind of a person who has not heard the Word of God, we talk about unity of faith, knowledge of the Son of God, you're not hearing. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If you're not hearing, here's the, here's the tragedy of it all. They start making sense to you. <laughs> what you're hearing makes sense to you. And, and then out of its sensibility, people will begin to make adjustments and corrections within their lives based on what they have believed. Their belief system has been compromised. And that's a, that's a bad place to be, is when your belief system has been compromised. And then you're no longer postured to hear the word of the Lord as you are. So now it goes on to say, we come to the knowledge of the Son of God, the Lord reveals Himself, till we come to a perfect man, the objective is to perfect us, that we may come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, the measure, the measure of stature of fullness of Christ has to do with the fact that now uh, Christ, who is eternal, is now uh, having free course within our lives. He's able to give full expression of himself in us and through us the way he desired to express himself. See, the Lord wanted the Lord want to use so that Christ might be in the world. We mentioned early on, here's what he does. He does a work in us that he may do a work through us, and the objective is for Christ to be seen in us. So now, here's something else I want you to look at as we begin to look at what God is doing in this time of transformation. I got a whole lot to talk about in this area of transformation uh, this year, but 
But, but, but here's what I want you to look at. When it comes to transformation, sometimes you might not hear a specific thing addressing a specific issue. And that's where a lot of people will uh, get off track. They say, well, what does the Bible say about this thing? What does the Bible say about that thing? What does the Bible say about another? And you said, I don't see anywhere in the Scripture where it said this is wrong. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says it's wrong. So since, uh, since we don't see Scripture, verse, I say, uh, where the Word has said something about it, then people say, so apparently it's okay. You see, people will dismiss it and move on because they said the Lord didn't say. The Lord didn't say anything about you going to the restroom, did he? He didn't, say, he didn't tell you what color clothes to wear. He didn't tell you what kind of dress. You see, there are many things that, that, that we must use judgments in relation to that the Word of God has not specifically addressed, but we are brought to the place of making proper judgments based upon what we have come to understand. Now, I want you to understand what I mean. This is where people, we mentioned the straight stick in order for the plant to grow in the right direction. We have to be very careful that we don't get off because our judgments don't get off and we begin to give license to things or permitting things that we ought to, we ought to have ish, take issue with. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 says, hold fast to the pattern, to the pattern of sound words. Now, did you hear what he's saying here? Hold fast to the very pattern of sound words. When he talks about the pattern, he says, well, this lines up with what I've come to understand. Since God has made this particular thing known to me, and I am I am certain that this is the direction that God has given based upon what His Word has spoken, what the Word has said, then I can, I can parallel that with all the other things, you, you see. So, so the Lord doesn't have to specifically address it with, with Scripture and verse in relation to calling out or naming a particular thing. But what happens, we can begin to look at the pattern. The pattern. You know, when the, when the temple was built, when the tabernacle was built, it was according to pattern, according to the pattern. The Lord is very specific when it comes to pattern. He wants us to make sure that we are building with the right materials. Whatever we are constructing, whatever we engaged in, that we are using the right materials. Uh, so, so, so what happens, uh, uh, I believe that what God is wanting to do in our lives, if anything, He wants us to be brought to the place as a result of hearing sound doctrine that will be brought to the place of making sound judgments. Are you hearing me now? The objective of God, as you hear sound doctrine, as you hear sound doctrine, it's, it's important that you hear the Word of the Lord. And that's why I use so many scriptures. That's why I make sure that when I'm teaching you and I'm preaching to you, that I'm making sure that everything I say is rooted and grounded in what God has already said. This is what God has said. In fact, that's what Jesus Christ would do. He says, uh, he would say, uh, uh, when the temptations would come his way, he would say, he would always say, it is written, it is written that man should not live. Now, you can believe this is a word using the word to fight the devil. He is saying, it is written that man should not live by bread alone. It is written, it is written, it is written. So, so, so our it is written is what God has already said, but we begin to use it in such a way to, to deal with, to parallel it with things that uh, would, would, would align itself with sound doctrine. 
with sound doctrine. So now we begin to look at the practices that take place within our lives. So now the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me. This is Paul said. These are the patterns of sound words you've heard from me. He said, but you heard it. We mentioned faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. How did you hear it? You heard it in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. See, you heard it in faith. Now, now I love what Paul uh, was in fact saying is that you had faith in the Christ in me. That's what he's really saying in essence. He says, you had faith in, it wasn't just faith in him because Paul spoke of his own weaknesses. He began to talk about things that I would, I do not do, the things I would not do, I find myself doing it. He began, he began to expose to, the, uh, to all that read his words, his humanity. But the objective was, he said, but you still respected the Christ in me. In spite of the fact that I am yet learning uh, he talked about, I have not yet attained, but I want to apprehend that which I was apprehended, neither am I perfect. He, he began to make it very clear that he was on a journey with the Lord in order to attain something that he had not yet attained. But yet, he says, in this particular verse, he began to let them know, he says, but yet that which you've heard from me, you put faith in it. Oh, listen to me, church. This is what, you talk about the greatest, I, I would say, the thing that brings more joy to my heart as a pastor is when I begin to see you taking what you have heard to heart and allowing it to govern your lives. I would not give you anything that would be harmful. This is what Paul said also. He's very careful not to give you something that would be harmful to you making sure that he gave you the whole counsel of God, anything. He wanted to give things that would be beneficial, things that would add to your growth and development. So in this, through my searching the words, the Scripture, prayer, and seeking the face of God, is to make sure that when I say a particular thing, that it's going to be beneficial to you. Now, here's another thing, though. I can't give it to any, I can only give it to those who will receive it, as it would apply to any other minister. We cannot force-feed anybody. You can't force-feed people. In fact, you can begin to, uh, you wonder, say, well, I would like for you to know a particular thing, but if a person doesn't desire to know a particular thing, I don't care how much you desire for them to know it. It's just a waste of time. So the objective is and we begin to pray for those that would reject it. We pray that God would open their hearts, that God will, you see, we don't give up on people, but we pray that God will open hearts and minds so that the things that they've heard, they can build upon those particular things. But you know, but if we look at defects, we talk about deformities, uh, defects that take place, and we talk about those who defect, those that move in a different direction, the things that they once heard, they, in some degree or another, had rejected it, and they began to look at it differently and began to consider it to be false. And, and you best believe that that happens within the churches. It happens in our church, happens in other churches, other ministries, where something that you once believed, you feel that you have outgrown it now, and now you are looking and desire for something different. I'm not saying something to build upon what you've heard. 
but you're looking for something other than what you've heard. You see, coming and you're saying, well, no longer do I want to be established on this foundation, but I want another foundation to be established in my life. And, and that's a dangerous place to be. I want a different foundation to be established. You, you see, you have to be careful. Uh, see, no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We've got to make sure that what you are building upon is Jesus Christ, that it's a, a clear understanding of Christ. And that's why we preach Christ and not ourselves. So now, listen to what he's saying here. He, say, he said, what you've heard from me, you heard it, uh, you had faith in it, and you heard it, and, and love which are in Christ Jesus. You heard it, and you recognized through what you heard that it was a display of God's love. And I can say this, I can say this without, uh, uh, I don't have to back off of this, but I really love you, and I love the people of God. And as a result of that, the objective is, I said, I must do what I do, whether you take heed to it or whether you reject it. I must still speak the truth. I must speak the truth. And, and, and yes, and, and, and I'm committed to that. I'm committed to that. I'm saying, Lord, as we enter into this year, and I've been thinking about it a whole lot, I said, How, what, what, what must I say? Because there's still some that you are still here. You are still here. And, and, and since you're still here, I'm, I, I owe this to you. I'm a debtor. That's what Paul puts it. I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to all that will listen. There are some that it's not even a part of this fellowship, but yet they're being blessed as a result of what God is speaking through me. And it doesn't make me any better than anybody else, but uh, you know, I, I, in fact, it challenges me, and I'm humbled by it because as a result of it, I said, Lord, I said, I want to become all the more servant. I want you to speak through me like you've never spoken before. My objective in life is to be at a place that I become, that my tongue become as a pen of a ready writer, that I become conduit in your hands. So whatever you want to get through to the people, that I, you can get through to them through me. And every distraction, and whatever may be in my life that could very well be a deterrent from your word, getting through to your people, Lord, I want you to deal with that so that your word can come forth without any distractions that can come back, come forth in all purity. So, so it's important. So I would venture to say to you, that's why Paul would say, pray for me. You know, I, I'm praying for you, but as we enter into this new year, 2023, pray for me. Pray for me that there no, that every distraction be removed from my life. Every distraction be removed from my life. That I be at a place of purity of heart, uh, we all talk about temptations that will come, and Paul was very clear about that, but that the temptations that come will be there to strengthen rather than weaken. Are you hearing me? You see, and I'm praying for you the same, that we be at a place where the temptations will be there to strengthen rather than weaken, that we grow in grace, knowledge of the Lord, and the knowledge of the Lord is to see through those things that will come our way. Now, I'm saying all of this because I'm, I'm, I'm headed towards something, because we talk about this whole thing of transformation, it also means the, uh, uh, it is the induced or spontaneous change of an element into another by a nuclear process. That's, that's part of the de definition. It is the spont it is induced. It is induced or it could be spontaneous, but it's a change 
of one element into another by a nuclear process. I've looked at this word nuclear. It is talking about, it's what is in the core, what resides within the core, what's in the center of a particular thing. That's nuclear. Nuclear, what's in the middle? What's in the center? Now, we talk about nuclear. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? What is really in your heart? And how can that heart be changed? So that as a result of what is taking place within the heart, uh, uh, you're doing what you're doing from the heart. The activity that's taking place in your life is taking place from the heart. Now, we are familiar with nuclear energy, aren't we? Nuclear energy. Uh, uh, and, 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 and particularly now, when we talk about the uh, war that's taking place in Ukraine, Russia attacking Ukraine, and one of the things that uh, people are, that uh, America as well as other nations are concerned about is that they do not use nuclear energy in warfare, nuclear weapons in warfare. But nuclear energy is amoral. It's not, uh, it can be uh, good or it can be bad. I talked about good and evil these last few days. But nuclear energy is something that we have to look at because it is, it is the deep or underlying structure of a thing that is converted, thus affecting the surface structure. That's what it is. That's what nuclear energy is. It, it, it is the, it's deep and underlying structure of a thing. It's what's in the inside, but that which is in the inside eventually, or in the center, eventually begins to affect the surface structure. It begins to affect what's on the outside. What's inside of you will eventually affect what's outside of you. In other words, whatever is on the inside will eventually be given expression. Out of, from the abundance, you know the scripture says, from the abundance, or out of the abundance of the heart, the nuclear, out of the nuclear heart, the mouth speaks. The nuclear, this is your center. Out of the center of your being, your mouth is engaged. Now, is that making sense? Out of the center of your being, your mouth will eventually be engaged. You might not say it right now, but understand, you may be pondering a particular thing in your heart but you give expression through your actions and your attitude. You see that? You say, well, I didn't say anything. But there's something about the heart that will deceive you. There's something about the heart. If your heart is a particular way, that heart will manifest in one way or another. You would be, you see, you would be excited about doing a particular thing. You'll be energetic about participating in a particular thing when the heart is in it, or you'll be reluctant about engaging if the heart is not in it. So now, the whole thing of the nuclear, the nuclear uh, uh, part of one's being, you see, the result, uh, uh, we talk about nuclear energy, uh, it, 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 when used positively, or for it to have positive results, it can be converted into electricity. Now, electricity can light your uh, it, it can warm your house. It can, it can uh, run automobiles now. You, you see, that, that, that thing of nuclear energy has a lot of benefits. It, it can be used in such a way that it, it can also deal with uh, pollution because it, it doesn't, it's not like coal and other uh, elements that's being used. 
So the nuclear energy can be very beneficial, but it can also be used as weapons of mass destruction. Weapons of mass destruction. Now we begin to look at the nuclear, the center of a being. God is saying that heart, that heart, the heart, we, we're looking at nuclear energy, the heart of an individual, what is in the heart. Your heart has a, the tendency of influencing others. Your heart has the tendency or the potential of influencing others. You say, well, uh, I, I've had it this way where people will say, well, you know, I just don't, uh, I didn't say anything. I just, I just feel this way myself, but I'm being careful not to say anything. I'm, not, I'm being careful not to say anything, but in my heart, I, I, I'm no longer attached. I'm detached from uh, the, the fellowship. I'm just dealing with it from church standpoint, point of view. You could do the same thing in a marriage. You see, you're, you're detached when you're detached. You say, well, I, I didn't say that I'm leaving, but your behavior. Are you saying something that you've already left? <laughs> the, the same thing happens within ministry. You say, well, uh, I, I didn't, I, I, I really, I, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to influence anybody else to do a particular thing. But out of your attitude, there's something that's being read on, uh, in, in your behavior that's saying something isn't right about. I, I don't think that things are right within this particular uh, geographical location, so therefore I'm dismissing myself. And you didn't say anything, but you're really saying, and I advise you to do the same. You say, well, I didn't say anything. I don't, they left on their own. No, they left because your heart, you see, there's some things that God wanted to get right within your heart. So that, that's one. But, but also, when a person is energetic, I'm dealing with the negative, look at the positive. If your heart is really in it, then it becomes the draw, it becomes the attraction. You say, when you worship God with your whole heart, just like today, as worship was going forth, you see, uh, as we enter into worship and the, and the worship leaders, both when they begin to enter in themselves, you see, it had a spontaneous uh, reaction within the hearts of others. You see, it, they have to say, enter into worship with me. No. I see you worshiping God, so therefore, it, 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 it ignited something in my heart where I wanted to join you in that act of worship. You see that? I wanted to join you in that worship. So, so the same thing, when the Word of God comes from the heart, when the Word of God, those whose hearts are open to God will receive it in the same spirit in which it is being released. You see, in the same spirit. You say, it will be offensive to some. That's because of the heart. But it will become medicine and refreshing and you see, energetic to those, energizing rather, to those whose hearts open to receive it. And, and, and haven't you been in a place where God had to deal with your heart? You say, well, I, I, I didn't know I had an attitude. See, that's the thing that you have to understand now, that you don't even know your own heart. I don't know my own heart. You say, well, I didn't have an attitude. I, no, nothing wrong with it. You see, I don't know why you keep accusing me of such and such and such. No, 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 no. You're not seeing what you're showing. You're not seeing what you're showing. You're, you're, you're projecting an image that you would much rather others not see. So, so, so now, we mentioned early on, we talk about the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the heart here in Jeremiah, the heart, Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But then it didn't stop there. 
It, it, it says, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The heart is deceitful, deceiving the person who has the heart and deceiving others, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It didn't, it has a question mark there, but that's not the end of the, of the Scripture. Verse 10, I'm glad he put verse 10 in there because verse 10 gives us a whole different perspective. He says, I the Lord. Oh, aren't you glad to have somebody like him on your side? I the Lord, regardless of whatever you're projecting, I the Lord. I the Lord. In fact, he's really saying, even though you don't know it, the reason you don't know it, because you ain't the Lord. <laughs> but I am the Lord. I know y'all. I made you. I can't wait to get to that part about the formation of, of how God formed us. But, but, but understand, I made you in such a way that I know everything about you. The things that you don't even understand about yourself, I have full knowledge of it. Why? Because I, I am the Lord. He said, I, the Lord, and, and, and you have to watch this word very carefully when he says, search the heart. It is not saying that I explore as if I did not know. He says, but I search the heart. He is saying that I will, I'm engaging constantly in interest, in, in, in inspection rather. I'm involved constantly in inspecting your heart. I'm always knowledgeable of what's lying within your heart. But here's the thing, if you acknowledge me, I'll, I'll let you know what I know about you. He said, you don't even know your own heart, but I'll show you what's really there. You see, there, there are two prayers. One is, Lord, show me your heart. Show me your heart, Lord. I want to I know your heart. I want to know what's in your heart. I always say that if you really don't know the heart of the Lord, don't ask the Lord to show you his heart unless you're willing for your heart to be broken. Because you're talking about compassion and love, sensitivity of heart, all of those things that reside within his heart. And then if he show us his heart, he will show us how the distance between where his heart is and where our heart is. And, and that's when you begin to see where in, in, I think, in the book of Zechariah, when they will mourn as if they had slain or uh, over one of their own sons, own, own children. He said, because when the Lord shows heart, then we begin to see our sins in a different light. He said, Lord, I didn't know it hurt you that bad. You see, that's our heart now. We, we, we judge everything based upon how we measure things, but we mentioned deformity. If the stick is not there, then you're not measuring with the right measuring rod. He says, but the Lord says, you said, Lord, show me your heart. And the Lord began to show you. He says, let me tell you what I feel about this little thing that you thought was a little nothing. You thought it was just a little something that really didn't mean that. I mean, why are you making such a big deal out of something so trite and so trivial? And the Lord says, he says, I'm going to show you my heart. I'm going to expose to you the impact and effect this thing has on generations to come. All you did was struck the rock 
And you thought, you said, well, I struck the rock beforehand, and you told me to strike the rock. He said, but I told you to speak to the rock this time. And because you struck it, let me show you what you just did. You misrepresented me. You misrepresented me. You made people think that I'm this way. And that's not the way I am. So therefore, I'm not going to allow you to enter into the promised land. Look at the scripture. So Lord, show me your heart. Show me your heart. And then God, you see, if you, want to, if you want God to show you his heart and you're not willing to be changed, transformation now, then you're willing to have some, you talk about some psychosomatic issues. You talk about going through some, some, some issues, psychosis. And you see, because now you're at a place where you're seeing yourself without seeing the help that God has, in fact, provided. But Lord, if you show me your heart, you got to show me Jesus. <laughs> if you're going to show me your heart, you got to show me Jesus because I got to see what you're going to do. I got to see hope. I got to have some hope. I got to have some, 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 some faith and hope in the future. But just to see your heart is going to be overwhelming. But then the other part, Lord, show me my heart. Show me my heart. Now, look what you say. Show me my heart. The Lord began to show you your heart. He said, let me show you what's in your heart. He said, you said, I didn't know. I thought I was a nice person. So I said, no, no, look at this. See, that's the problem is that you judge yourself based upon how you see yourself. He said, you, you, you're not open to objectivity. He said, that's why you can't hear the word. That's why you're turned off when certain messages that may be convicting will come your way. You want it to be affirmed in a particular thing, and I want to show you your heart because I want to show you your need. I want to expose you your need. I want to show you your need is much deeper and much greater than you realize. He says, so now he shows us his, our hearts, and we say, Lord, now I see now where I killed you. I see that it wasn't just them that crucified Jesus, but I see where I participated in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I see now my own sin. I see now my need for repentance. I see now I can find no justification in and of myself any longer because now I see myself as being guilty. I see myself as being guilty. Now watch what it does now. When we see that and we come to that place of repentance, now the grace of God can be applied to our lives. And our appreciation for the grace is of such that we are glorying in His grace and not in our own abilities to live a life that's pleasing to God. So now, look at what he's saying here. He is saying, he said, who can, I search the heart. And he says, I test the mind. I test the mind. We talk about the heart, now we talk about thinking. I test the mind. I test the mind. I test the mind. Because now, what's in your heart, you see, will govern the way you think. And the things that you think, the things that you're turned onto, the things that you're turned off from, is in the area of the mind. That's where the battle is taking place in the mind. You see, he says, so now I will search the heart and I'll test the mind. And, and as a result of testing the mind, and then even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. I'm glad that that's not the case as a result of having received Christ, that we don't get what we deserve. 
we don't get what we deserve. But now it's according to his doings that God has released and dispensed to us grace. The grace of God has been extended to each and every one of us. Are you still with me here? Are you still with me? I'm looking at my time. Wow. I'm just introducing this, but I'm going to have to quit. When I understand what I begin to look at the heart again, and uh, this is what Jesus Christ said concerning that in, in Matthew, in Mark rather. Let's look at Mark chapter 7 and verse 17, verse 7, 17. But before I get to that, let me just make a comment and statement because some of you, I mean, I know it's uh, uh, in, in the heart and minds of many, say, what are we going to say or what are we going to do about statements that have been made very recently, last few weeks or so, concerning uh, uh, using weed and properties being used in such a way that you're planting uh, marijuana and that kind of stuff. And I said, well, uh, the Bible says in the book of, of, of Deuteronomy, it says that we, we are, the priests must judge all things. It's ours to uh, bring discernment and judgments in relation to a particular thing. In controversy, we are to be judges. That's what the Bible says. And he says, but even in judging, we must be of such that we uh, are postured to provide help and hope at the same time. So what I've done and what I'm doing, I'm not doing a whole lot of speaking at this particular juncture, but I wanted to say this much this morning. I was going to say it last night, but I'm saying it now. I, I, I'm not speaking a lot right now, but you best believe I'm concerned about the reputation of the church itself, the church. How can the church advance? How can the church move forward? And, and if certain things are being said or done that will have an effect upon our witness as the church, then it ought to, it ought to uh, disturb all of us. It ought to disturb all of us. But how are we to advance? How are we to go forward? Well, the thing is, we must speak the truth in love. So, so I said, well, how can I speak the truth in love in relation to this? So what I'm doing right now, I'm not being silent, but I'm speaking to my fellow brethren. We talk about fellow, fellow clergymen, uh, a clergy within the body of Christ. And we are, I, I just started making calls. And I said, well, uh, so that when we do make a statement, it's not just me making a statement, but I want us to make a statement in relation to what's happening within the church. But I want the, the church ads to understand that this is our responsibility, more so than, it, uh, than what may be happening even with our culture, more so than what may be happening in Ferguson, happened in Ferguson and happened here in Atlanta and all the other things happened to African Americans and what's happening uh, uh, all over the United States and things that's happening in the world. The thing that is primarily important for us as ministers is this, is that we must be that which God would have us to be. He says that the church of God must be the pillar and the ground for truth. And any time that truth is being compromised, then what happens, we are by default giving permission for the lie to be propagated. So, so by no means are we ignoring the fact, but I'm looking at how do we save a brother? How do we save a people that might have gotten off track and moving in a, a, the wrong direction? How can we, how can we, be, how can we surgically handle this situation? 
so that uh, we're using wisdom in, in, in how a particular thing ought to be addressed. So, so I, that's all I'm going to say for right now concerning this, but uh, as we continue on, we'll have much more to say about it. So, we look forward to a time where we can have uh, dialogue and conversations concerning what is right and what is wrong, what ought the church be about and what ought the church not be about so that we are all on the same page and moving in the same direction. But we know there are certain things, we talk about the pattern. There are certain things that do not line up with the pattern of sound words and sound doctrine. And if it doesn't line itself with the pattern, then we can say it's wrong, but what do we do about it? How do we handle it? We handle it in wisdom. So let's go back. In, in Mark chapter 7, this is the last scripture, Mark chapter 7 and verse 14, it says, when he had entered a house away from the crowd. His disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? He asked the disciples, are you guys still without understanding? I, I, I would venture to say he's talking about those who he's taught, those that have followed him, those that's walking with him. He said, he said if anybody ought to understand what I'm talking about, it should be those of you that's walking with me. And not that you understand. And, and, and here's the challenge. They didn't fully understand him. They didn't fully understand him. He was speaking in such a way. That's why he said, why do you speak to them in parables? <laughs> because it's been given you, you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, and it's not been given to them. Hearing they shall hear, but not understand. Seeing they shall see. You see, seeing they shall see. You see. So, so what happens so, so what happens, even when it comes to the things of God, there are those that still will not understand. But in all thy getting, get understanding. In all thy pursuing, pursue an understanding. Ask God to open your heart and mind so that the things that's being said within this church are things that you are growing into an understanding of those particular things. If not, it's going to frustrate you. And you'll be looking for another church. You, you follow what I'm saying? You'll be looking for, you say, because now I, I go to this church, but everything is over my head. Everything is so far beneath, above me that I need a place where I can, I can really grow. That, that's something that really feeds me for where, where I am. Well, well, the whole thing is that if this is being given to you, then God is desiring for you to grow up into it. He wants you to grow up into it. And you know what? It's not beyond you because he's given you the wherewithal in order to, to, to take hold of and to take in what God is in fact saying. It's been given to you to know. It's been given to you to know. He said, so the capacity has already been dispensed to you. Those of you that are born again, those of you that have given your heart and life to the Lord, and those of you that believe that the word that God is speaking is his word spoken to you, then you've been given the capacity. But unless you're born again, you're not going to see it. Now, now, what about a person that's not born again? What about the sinner? You see, contained within the message that we preach is the wherewithal to awaken the sinner, but not to understand the message that's delivered to the saints. So we're speaking to a mixed crowd. To the sinner, there's something that's being said to say, there's a need that's much greater that I'm able to meet myself. That's the center now. So therefore, now I see how far removed I am from where God is and what he desire, where he desires me to be. 
That's the message to the sinner. But to the saint, well, it's a lot of growing yet to take place within me. So I'm asking God, I'm praying, Lord, move me, help me move into that which I'm hearing so that I can grow up in the things that's being fed to me. So now he says, he entered the house, he says, disciples, uh, ask him concerning the parables. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever, listen to this word, whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him. All that stuff can't defile you. Whatever enters, it came, but it won't mess you up. Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach. <laughs> it enters it doesn't enter his heart, but it enters his stomach. And eventually, you eat the fish, and you throw the bones away, or you eliminate the waste. <laughs> Are you hearing this? Eat the fish, throw the bones away, but you eat what is good, and you eliminate everything else that's waste is eliminated. He says eliminated. He says, thus purifying, uh, but, but, but this, he says, whatever enters outside cannot defile him because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? What comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murderers, murders rather, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile a man because it's in the heart. It will defile a man. So he says, what I'm doing now, we talk about transformation. The Lord is saying, I'm here to further change your attitude, but your attitude alone is not sufficient. I'm here to change your heart. You, see, you say, well, he gave me a new heart. He said, but the new heart is here to change the entire heart. He said, I'm going to bring you to a place where you'll have a, a heart. You will perceive things differently than the way you once perceived them. You will begin to see things differently than the way you once saw them. He says, what I'm going to do, he said, as you receive the Word of God, and as the Word of God is ingested. We mentioned even last night, it is ingested. Eat what has been given to us when we ingest it, we're not just talking about wasting. You can set the table. If you're not hungry, you can set the table and person leave all their food. A whole plate full of food is left to waste. And you say, why didn't you eat? Why are you not eating anything? Why are you eating? He said, I'm not hungry. Well, why did you, why did you accept the invitation when you knew that you weren't hungry? Why did you accept the invitation? I invited you to a banquet. 
Now, now, now I'm done, but I just thought about something. You know, if, if, see, we had a, Francis and I uh, had a thing where if we figure that we're going to go to a banquet, it's going to be the same old, same old. What is that? A piece of, you got it, you got it. A, a, a piece of dry, a piece of dry chicken breast. <laughs> And, 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 and that's right, little, little beans, little green beans on the side. You, you follow. But they got nice salad, nice salad, nice salad. And, 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 and what happens? And you're going to sit there and you're going to try to eat that dry. And that's for a whole lot of gravy because you got to really try to make that, that chicken taste good. And, and, and you see, you know, some of y'all been to banquets before. So, so, so what happens if that is going to be the menu and we figure that most banquets are going to serve that? So we said, we'll fix that. We'll eat before we go to the banquet. <laughs> we'll eat first. We'll eat first. We'll eat first. So we eat before we go to the banquet. And, and, and we get, so now we can have conversation. We sit around, just, just uh, kind of just cuddle a little bit of this here and leave most of the place still there. And, but you're talking, you're, you're, you're conversing through the whole time. So people are recognizing the fact that you're not interested in eating the food because you're having conversation. You're just talking and doing your hands and working. And, and you say, boy, he's so polite and he's so much into us because he's not into eating. He's into us. He's in the conversation. He's in the conversing. But they fooled us went to a banquet. Boy, they had, they had two kinds of meat. They had, uh, they, they had, I think it was some, was it sea bass or was it a lobster? Or and then they had a piece of steak and all of that. And, 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 and I said, oh boy, I got fooled. And, 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 and I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. I wish I could get it to go. I wish I could just get them to wrap it up so I could take it home with me because I can't waste this. This is really first class. I had no idea that they would serve this kind of food at a banquet. What kind of money was being spent? It was being sponsored by some wealthy individuals that paid top dollar to dine us. And, and, and now, what do we do? We overeat now because I'm going to steal. I ain't going to let this go. <laughs> the point I'm making is that if you're not hungry, why accept the invitation? Why accept the invitation? But when you come to the table of the Lord, we must come to his table with an appetite. Lord, I want, I want to, I want to feast at your table. I want to eat the things that you're feeding. It may be some stuff that I'm not accustomed to. And it's a lot of times we look at it because we're not accustomed to it. He said, try it. It looks good, but I'm used to greens and, and, and chicken. And, 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 and you see, but this thing has all this beautiful shape and form, and, and I've never eaten it. And the people all around just tan it up. But I'm looking at it because it's not familiar to me. It's not, these ain't collard greens, or turnip greens. He says, so my diet growing up, this is what I'm used to eating while I'm growing up. So then you finally taste and see 
if the Lord is good. You say, wait a minute now. You mean to tell me that this kind of food was actually made available in the world somewhere when all I ate was collard greens, cornbread, and fried chicken? Are you hearing something? All we had to do is, is, is step out of our familiar and taste it. And then we'll say, well, give me another, give me another plate of that, whatever it is. And we want some more and more. And next thing you know, what kind of restaurant? Is there a restaurant anywhere that serves this kind of food? And they say, oh, it's a place. You've got you to drive a little way when it's worth the drive. Because, man, what I ate was much better than what I had ever eaten before in my life. I'm quitting right now. So, Father, we thank you and honor you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives as we are being transformed. And this year of the transformation, may we understand and realize the important significance of this transformation. That's how we, Lord, you're showing us how we could be set free from all of these vices that otherwise would uh, take charge of our lives. Evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, covetousness, wickedness, lewdness, evil eye, and all those other things, Lord. We can be set free of that once we have tasted of your goodness and feasted at your table our whole appetite then is changed. So today, as we enter into this new year, Lord, feed us with your food. Feed us with manna from on high. Feed us till we want no more. Ah, we're hungry. We're hungry. We're not satisfied with yesterday's manna. We want today's manna. We want you to surprise us. You're the, you're the divine physician, but you're also the master chef. And things that you prepare are excellent. So feed us, Lord. Feed us, Lord. And Lord, let it show in our faces that what you're feeding us with is well-pleasing to us so that it will become attractive even to those that's never tasted. So with this, we give you the honor, the praise, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.